0: In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem getting hit with question after question by people with wildly different philosophies and theologies, and the only thing they have in common is they're all trying to trip him up. Enter the Sadducees the group that many of the wealthy, most politically influential Jews belong to, the group from which the current group of high priests came from. They come up to Jesus to take their turn in Mark chapter 12, beginning with verse 18. And Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection, and they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife, but leaves no child. The man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. And the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. And the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died in the resurrection when they rise again. Whose wife will she be? For... The seven had her as wife. Before we hear Jesus' response, let's take a minute to unpack that a little bit further. Now, Mark was already inspired to reveal to us a key piece of context for understanding what was going on with this admittedly ridiculous question. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection at all. They didn't think that there was going to be a future time in which the righteous rose bodily to begin a new eternal life. So as they ask this question, they're not just testing Jesus, they're even coming at it with the intent to prove how absurd the belief of the resurrection was. There's a few other details that go into the question they pose, though, that can help us appreciate how Jesus responds to it. First of all, we know from history that for that group of the Sadducees, they really only held the first five books in the Hebrew scriptures. It's known as the Law of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy as being authoritative scriptures. They thought the other books of the Hebrew Scriptures were interesting to study, they gave some time to know what the various rabbis had interpreted, what the oral traditions had been, but they really only saw those first five books as being binding, and really only in the most conservative sense. So with this question they asked, which was based on a command that Moses gave in Deuteronomy chapter 25, a command that was intended to ensure that as it related to their inheritance in the land of promise, that should someone die without offspring, that their name not be lost, that their inheritance not be lost, but that their line be able to continue. So for the Sadducees, they're attacking resurrection, which they think is absurd and not contained in scripture as they consider it, those first five books. They're attacking the approach that many, like Jesus, took of seeing scriptures being living and active and still binding and instructive, because obviously that command couldn't be kept anymore so long after Israel had been taken out of the promised land, and so much had changed since that time, so to act like that scripture was still binding was obviously absurd, and then they were attacking Jesus himself. They thought that they had really cooked up a question that would just expose how silly his beliefs were, as opposed to their more enlightened, more elite way of doing things. But then listen to how Jesus responds. And Mark chapter 12, continuing with verse 24, Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you're wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. You see how masterfully Jesus handled that? How he wasn't put off by the deep theological debate that these religious elites wanted to try to draw him into. He had no problem telling them, you're wrong. You're dead wrong, so to speak. He shows that they were wrong because the way that they were questioning shows they didn't even really understand what resurrection was about. That when that resurrection comes, life as we know it is going to fundamentally change. That marriage is no longer going to serve that same purpose that it has served on this side of the resurrection. Now, for some of us, what Jesus said there might be a little unsettling because maybe you're married. Maybe you like being married. But that's also where when you understand the overall arc of scripture, that even when Jesus reveals that our relationships aren't going to be the same in the resurrection. Recognize that where God is leading us to is better. So whatever our relationships change into, if those relationships are in God's hands, if they're founded on him, whatever they become after the resurrection is better. If you can trust God with your marriage now, You can trust him with whatever it becomes when we're risen from the dead, like Jesus was. But then Jesus also goes with their lack of belief in the resurrection itself, and he meets them on their own playing field because he doesn't quote from prophecies like Isaiah or Daniel that they wouldn't hold to be scripture. He goes back to the book of Exodus. He goes back to the law of Moses, to one of the key moments in Israel's history when God spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. And when God identified himself there as I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, people who had been dead for centuries when God said that to Moses. Jesus demonstrates that God wouldn't say that if those guys were dead and gone, if if that was just the end of their existence and they had no more bearing from that point forward. So he showed them that even in the scriptures that they hold to be authoritative, there is evidence of this hope that God is leading us somewhere more, that there is more than just life as we know it now, that there's somewhere greater that he's wanting to bring us. But the key, For us to consider, as we wrap up this devotional, is the reason that the Sadducees, for all of their knowledge, for all of their influence, for all of their religiosity, the reason that they messed up so bad and were so dead wrong, Jesus said they didn't know the scriptures or the power of God. Now, I imagine they chafed some when this Galilean preacher rolled into their temple and said they didn't know the scriptures. These guys knew the scriptures. These guys were the religious leaders for the whole Jewish people. But did they really know? While they were cooking up all of these impossible scenarios to try to trip Jesus up in a debate, did they actually know what God was saying? Did they actually understand what God was trying to teach, where God was trying to lead? Did they recognize the power of God at work, what it was that he wants to accomplish, what it is he will accomplish? Obviously not, because if they really did, they would have recognized Jesus. They would have recognized him as that promised son. They would have recognized him as being the one that was inaugurating God's kingdom in the way that had long been looked forward to throughout the prophets. Yes. But even in the law of Moses, which God gave to teach the people of Israel how to become the people that could bring that hoped for Messiah into the world. We can't make their mistake. We can't be people who fail to truly know the scriptures, either by just never getting into the Bible at all, or by being people who only ever open up our Bible to have an argument, to prove a point, to have a debate. We need to open it to know what God is doing, what it is God has to say, and then we need to believe in God's power. We need to believe in God's good purposes for using that power, and when we know Jesus, we see that and we can know that that's true